The second round is in full swing and the action increases from game to game. This is where the contenders are separated from the pretenders. To give you some skin in the game, DraftKings will be offering free-to-play pools every day of the basketball and hockey playoffs, offering players a free shot at $10,000 in total prizes. That's up to $10,000 in total prizes up for grabs each day. The best part is that it's free to play. DraftKings free play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and search the whole wide variety of free contests and an opportunity to win cash prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at up to $10,000 in total prizes every day of the basketball and hockey playoffs. Head to DraftKings Pools page to get your shot at huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a sports betting perspective. With pro handicappers Alex B. Smith and Ian Cameron, and veteran sports writer Jimmy Murphy. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network. It is uh, Thursday, June 3rd. Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith with you, ready to break down the Thursday uh, Stanley Cup playoffs card. And we'll also look back at the two games that took place last night. And a reminder, uh, before we get into all of that, we have our third Stanley Cup playoffs betcast tonight, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, 4.30 p.m. Pacific. We have two games tonight, Bruins-Islanders Game 3, Lightning Hurricanes Game 3. Uh, we will be on the air during both of those games, start to finish. Uh, we're going to have, you know, talk about the games as they're going on. You might even get a little Ian Cameron play-by-play, you know, a little bit uh, from time to time. I know people enjoyed that. We'll have live bets. I've got, you know, my usual amount put aside for live betting purposes tonight uh, during the BetCast. Uh, we'll look at, you know, maybe live in-game totals, live in-game sides, next uh, team to score props i know alex i bet the over how many he might uh be betting of those uh, in terms of the next team to score he's been very good with them you know a couple books that i uh, bet at offer in-game goal score props so uh, we'll probably take a look at maybe some of those as well so going to be a lot of fun and very important games tonight in both series tied at uh 1-1 bruins islanders so uh, important game there and obviously a vital game for Carolina down two nothing in the series to Tampa Bay they lose this they're pretty much done uh, so it is a important night of Stanley Cup playoff hockey and we're excited to have the third bet cast and uh, join us for that 7 30 p.m eastern 4 30 p.m pacific tonight uh, let's recap last night's action we'll start with Montreal and Winnipeg and look uh, we got hoodwinked everybody and his brother on the Jets last night uh, by a poor start by their standards and I guess the one thing that I don't want to say I didn't factor it in or that I missed in, in, in liking Winnipeg a lot last night was their layoff was a bit longer than Boston's. It was a bit longer than even Vegas's. And at the very beginning of that game, 
you looked at it and you saw the Jets just were sloppy in the defensive zone, very reckless with the puck. And even Connor Hellebuck, I thought he played better as the game went on, but it took him some time to uh, get going as well. I thought the third goal in that first period, which, look, Nick Suzuki made a great move on that goal. Don't take anything away from him, but I thought that was poorly done by Hellebuck. You know, not having his pad jammed up against the goalpost to prevent the puck from uh, finding the back of the net. Uh, I think it was definitely a, a, a goal where he could have done a little bit better uh, on that one. The Jets got going as the game went on. I thought second period, they were starting to take the play to Montreal a bit. Third period as well. But Montreal just struck with timely goals when they needed them. You know, when Winnipeg got the shorty from Adam Lowry to make it 2-1, boom, they answered right back, made it 3-1. Winnipeg cut the gap to 3-2 in the third period, and boom, they got the power play goal right after that to make it 4-2. That's just the kind of night it was. Montreal was just a step ahead. And now if you're Winnipeg, and not only losing the game, we'll get to the hit in just a second, obviously, that uh, has everyone's attention, Mark Shifley on Jake Evans. But not only do you lose that game, but that game was set up on a silver platter. You know, That was like putting the golf ball right on the tee for you, and all you needed to do was hit the ball. You know, and the Winnipeg Jets had everything in their favor here. And now that they've lost game one in this brilliant situational spot that we thought was in their favor, they're in some trouble a little bit. I'm worried about the Jets now, not to mention Paul Stastny was a very unexpected late scratch uh, for game one last night. And not to mention the hit that we'll get into right now. Uh, Mark Shifley, you just can't, you know, charge your way through the neutral zone all the way down to the other end of the ice and lay that kind of hit on somebody. You just can't do it. Now, I've seen worse in terms of hit, hit, you know, hit to the head contact. I've seen much worse in that regard in terms of hitting to the head. But it's the problem with the hit is it was at an incredible rate of speed. It was basically the NHL ice equivalent of a car down the uh, stretch of highway and, and going you know, at a, at a pretty reasonable clip speed-wise. And... That is exactly what that was for uh, Mark Shifley on Jake Evans. He was basically going down the length of a stretch of highway at a high rate of speed. And, and he finished through uh, that hit. And it was obviously a, a terrible result for Jake Evans, who we've now learned this morning after hearing the Montreal press conferences that he's got a concussion. So he's obviously out indefinitely. Very similar to what John Tavares went through uh, after game one in the Leaf series in the first round. So the, the hit, I've seen worse, but... It was still bad. It was still totally unnecessary. It was still late. It was still vicious. And the puck was already in the net. When he hit Evans, he had already deposited the puck into the empty net to put the game away and make it 5-3. It was just totally unnecessary, very late, very vicious, and in my opinion, very suspendable. And he is going to get some kind of suspension, Mark Shifley. Now, they are not having a in-person hearing for Mark Shifley. It's an over-the-phone hearing. And the rules are that if it's an over-the-phone and not an in-person hearing, the maximum number of games that a player can be suspended is five. So he's not going to get any more than five games. It's just a question of one, two, three, four, five, but it won't be any more than five. Bottom line is he's going to miss at least some games in this series. And now if you go into game two, if you don't get Stastny back and you're down Mark Shifley, that's two of your top six forwards right there uh, if you're the Winnipeg Jets. And that's a worry moving forward. Now, the, the people that are really pushing back on this being uh, an acceptable hit, they're saying, come on now, that's old-time hockey. That's old-school hockey. I'm finding it's most people that are older than me, my age or older, 30s, 40s, 50s. 
and they remember hockey in the 70s, hockey in the 80s, hockey in the 90s, and you see these punishing open ice hitters from those decades, Denny Potvin, Wendell Clark, Eric Lindros, Scott Stevens, Darius Kasparitis, Cam Neely, the list, uh, the list goes on and on and on about all these guys where you could have a hit like that, maybe not that quite uh, amount of ice covered in terms of charging at somebody and hitting them hard, but close to it, and you'd barely see a penalty, and you sometimes wouldn't even see a suspension back in the day. You wouldn't. I understand all that, but guess what? That was a different era, and I've had to adjust my thinking. You know, if Scott Stevens, I said this on Twitter, if Scott Stevens makes that hit on Jake Evans in 1991 and it's not 2021, he, there may not be a penalty. There may not even be a suspension. I'm dead serious. I am I am not kidding. There may have been absolutely nothing in terms of discipline for that hit. If it was Scott Stevens on somebody 30 years ago in 1991, but this is a different era now. They're protecting players more. Players overall are stronger, bigger, much faster than they were 30, 40 years ago. And that's why the physical damage that's inflicted on a hit like that when you're just, you know, just basically barreling someone over at full speed from the center ice area, there's more physical damage now because the players are faster and they're a little bit stronger in the upper and the equipment. It's not so much that they're also not just stronger. It's the equipment they wear. It's heavier. So when you have contact with someone else, it's going to knock them for a loop way more than it did 30 years ago. So it's all about the increased level of player protection and it's the people that are still stuck in with their heads wrapped around 1970s, 1980s, and 1990s hockey. You know, where that kind of hit that Mark Shifley had last night is maybe not deemed as bad 30 years ago. But guess what? It's a different era. Like I said, the players are stronger, faster. Yeah, the, 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 you inc- I think when you have that kind of hit now compared to 30 years ago, there's more damage done uh, in terms of the, the, the result. Uh, on the on the player that ends up uh, on the receiving end of the hit, and that is why the NHL is taking more drastic measures on hits like that. Simple as that. So uh, they're feigning outrage. The people from the from the old school eras of hockey say, "Oh, that's just old school hockey. That's just old time hockey." I I heard that. I read that on Twitter a bunch of times. I did. But you have to separate what era we're in now compared to the eras we were in back then. That's all I'm trying to say. Alex, what's your thoughts here on the game overall, and obviously the Shifley hit. Well, the game was uh, extremely disappointing for, for me and, and, like I said, all of us who had the Jets. I uh, thought they were going to be the team to come out, you know, with full of energy after having those days off, uh, take advantage of, of a great spot with Montreal, you know, coming off of an, a very emotional uh, pair of wins to clinch that series against Toronto. And that just wasn't the case. They came out flat, you know, yet, uh, excuse me, Connor Hellebuck, who led a couple of soft goals in uh, by his standards. This is a guy who's made a ton of big saves. Uh, throughout the postseason, throughout his career, and some of those goals that he got beat with early are just unacceptable, especially when the team's trying to set the tone in a game one of a series. So it was unfortunate to see that. And like I said, you know, Jets are trying to come back at times and they, you know, we're putting the pressure on, give credit to Carey Price. You know, he's been uh, absolutely sensational. You look now, these last two postseasons with Montreal, uh, Carey Price, you know, in, in the, the, the tail end of his career has really stood on his head and made some big saves for this Habs club. So, uh, kudos to him. Kudos to, to the Habs for getting another win, uh, you know, keeping this momentum riding. But, of course, the hit is all everybody's talking about right now. And, you know, the thing with me is that, you know, I'm, and I'm one of those people that you mentioned are in that that kind of ilk of the old school. 
I didn't have a problem with the hit so much as I did the situation, meaning that, like you said, the fact that he's coming from damn near over halfway to the ice on an empty net, uh, you know, I can see if this was, this was, you know, they're, they're skating neck and neck, you know, battling for position, you know, to try to avoid an icing or something like that. That wasn't the case here. Uh, it was, it was a definitely a dirty hit considering the circumstance. This wasn't in the middle of the game. This is the end of the game. You know, you're, the player is already pretty much standing in front of the net, putting the puck in the, in the net. This game is over for all intents and purposes, even with a minute left. Uh, and he just, you know, lit him up. And, you know, I wouldn't have a problem with that hit in the beginning of, of, the, of the game or in the second period. Uh, like I said, well, he wasn't targeting his head. The fact that he was going at the momentum he was and the fact that Evans had his head down, which anyone who knows hockey from the time you play as a little kid all the way to you when you're a professional sticks down head up. That's always the key. No matter what, you always have to keep your head up. You never, even though that guy was 150 feet away from you, still keep your head up. And this is a reason why you should be doing that. So it's it's definitely warranted of, of a suspension. Uh, they gave him the five minute major, so that already that's going to also uh, you know carry over with you know suspension and fine related uh, issues. Uh, these people who are saying you know five, ten, fifteen game suspensions—that's absolutely insane. Uh, you know, like I said, if there was, if there was intent, if there was, if he threw an elbow, if he left his feet, then we could start talking more games. But it definitely needs to be suspendable. And, you know, Joel Edmondson said it best. He says, you know, the league's going to take care of it, but if he's back in this series, we're going to make his, his life miserable. And that's the way you handle it. Let the players give, give the players a chance to handle this on the ice as well. Obviously he said, some things need to be, you know, uh, uh dealt with from the, from the, the league office, but at the same time, let the players hold themselves accountable. You know, it, it, and that's the thing. It, the more we keep going in the office, like I like I said before, with, with you know other instances, it seems like we've been talking about this left and right for the last two months. You know, the players keep going calling for mom and dad, aka the league office, to sort things out. This shit's still gonna happen. You're still gonna see these dirty hits. We haven't seen the fines and suspensions have stopped nothing. They have stopped absolutely nothing. We've seen more and more dirty hits. We just talked about hockey in the in the '90s and 2000s. Growing up, we didn't see this many dirty hits. We saw big hits. We saw guys throwing elbows, stuff, and that was within the, the lines of the game. But you didn't see the 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 malicious style of hit hitting that we're seeing now. And then when you did see it, it was answered. It was answered on the ice first, and then there was still secondary discipline from a fine or a suspension. Just letting it go up to the league. It, 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 we're seeing it week after week after week. It's done nothing. It's done nothing to curb this this issue. So, you know, at some point we're gonna have to figure out. You know, okay, you can't just oh, we, the the new school fans who are the ones saying we, we gotta you know try to curb the violence in hockey. Well, okay, it, this is still a collision sport. You know, if, if you want this to become tag hockey, I suggest you watch some other sport. But you have to have parameters in, in this game. And like I said, you know. We because we've taken out the 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 error and the way of, of players policing themselves, it's left players you know to to take liberties and hit people in in spots and in 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 instances within games where that shouldn't have happened. I've never seen that kind of a hit happen twenty years ago, ten years ago, where a guy's you know chipping a puck into an empty net and all of a sudden gets just blindsided out of nowhere uh, around the net. That's never happened before, but it's happening now because players don't have to worry about any repercussions on the ice. All they got to worry about is signing a check over to the league or missing a couple of games, which is a drop in the bucket for all these guys in terms of the fines they pay for the, for the majority of them. Anyway, it's barely enough, but yeah, Shifley's going to get something and he should warrants getting something. But as I've said a second ago, if you are committing that hit that he did last night in the nineties, and if you're, 
Darius Kasparaitis, your Cam Neely, your Eric Lindros, your Scott Stevens, your any of these guys, you're going to think, I'm getting suspended for this? What a joke that I'm getting suspended for this. I mean, that's just the way it was back then. You had significant, hard-hitting hockey. And look, it's different now. It's different now. You know, they're protecting players more. Again, the bigger, faster, stronger players now, especially faster. And so when Mark, Mark Shifley's, you know, rolling down the ice at that rate of speed and hits somebody, it hits harder. It's it's more damage done. Whereas 30 years ago, you're not quite as fa- the fast, bl- blazing fast skaters. You're not wearing this ridiculous equipment. You know, it's like they're like Michelin men almost, you know, hockey players these days with the amount of fucking equipment they wear. You know, and as a result, it's not just that they're skating faster, which obviously makes the hit a harder, more dangerous hit, but it's also that freaking equipment underneath their jerseys. And, and that hits the player as well. And it's not the uh, little, uh, you know, little soft pads they wore, you know, 30, 40 years ago. It's just not. So it's it's a totally different thing now. Where And the NHL's obviously adjusted to that. I've had to adjust to that. If I'm seeing that as, as a 15-year-old kid in the late 90s, that hit, I'm like, you got to be kidding me that they're going to suspend Shifley for that. That's just great hockey, great hit and all that. Things have changed, though. This is a different era, and you have to separate the eras. That's where I'm coming from with this whole thing. Uh, by the way, uh, we got Jimmy Murphy uh, joining us right now. Uh, Jimmy, welcome in. Uh, you can t- uh, bring in your thoughts here about the uh, Habs' big Game 1 victory, which uh, I think you liked them last night as well mm-hmm. uh, in Game 1, and also talk about the Mark Shifley hit on Jake Evans. Well, I mean, credit to the Habs. Uh, really, you know, we're able to not have that letdown that I think we were all expecting there in that first period. They they came out and dominated right off the get-go. So uh, a credit to them to, to stay focused, to be able to kind of ride that momentum. I'm interested now if that letdown eventually comes in game two. I could see that happening for sure. Sooner or later, these guys are going to hit a wall. Um, but they'll they'll bounce back too. I think this is a long series ahead of us. Even though I said five, I don't know. It, the way that, that hit could could switch things a lot there now because I, I wonder if now that distracts Montreal from their main focus and they're a little too focused on getting revenge uh, in the next game. They got to be wary of that. But as far as this hit goes, I mean, I think Alex and you d- described it perfectly. And it, look, when you, when you put in the third man in rule uh, and the, uh, you know, you put that in, you put in the instigator and all that, that was the beginning of where we are now. And it's been a steady decline into what we're at now. But the problem is that steadiness has become rapid. And, and I, when I say rapid, I mean, like you said, Ian, you mentioned the speed. That's the biggest thing. I think, you know, we all love fast hockey skill and all that. We love it. But at the same time, speed kills literally. And it is hurting this game right now. And I really think, look, I know people don't like Don Cherry a lot and, and you want to shit on him for what happened with him and all that. But, you know, he was, he was dead on, and I've said this, and I'll defend him till the day I die on this. They need to put the red line back into the game. They need to. The game is too fast right now. The equipment is too big. Uh, those those pads you're wearing on your elbows, your shoulders, th- those are weapons. And when you're coming in at that speed with a weapon, something bad is going to happen. It, it's it, it's just unavoidable. Something bad will happen there. And I don't know what it's going to take for the league to realize this right now. They Like you guys said, they can do all the suspensions and all the fines they want. But they are yet to prove to me that as a league, whether it's the, the people in the offices or the, the players on the ice even more so, I think the NHLPA 
is the biggest party to blame in this right now. The players themselves. They need to hold themselves accountable. They need to respect them, the, each other more. They need to have a respect for the game that is gone now. There is just – it's simple. You guys said we see it more. Alex said it. It's just – what is this? I mean, well, why is this happening so much? What, when did this start? I'm telling you, it started when they took the red line out. And then the speed picked up. And then the equipment got bigger. And they need to look at this right now. And they need to really self-examine themselves and look at the game right now and say, can we go like this? At what point do we do this? Are we going to wait for somebody to die? You, you can laugh at me right now and say I'm extreme. Go ahead. I don't care. You need to be extreme right now. When you need change in the world, you need to have extremities. You need to get to that point where you say enough is enough. You can't just say, oh, we'll give him a suspension here. We'll find him here. We'll fight the guy here. We'll get him back with a hit. No, it's just a vicious circle right now. And the, ga the game itself is lost. And, and, and it's too bad because right now they're, they're switching TV networks. They're trying to become more mainstream. They've been doing a great job at that. They've grown the game in so many aspects. But God forbid, you know, on the first game on Turner Network or ESPN next year, where somebody dies or somebody is seriously injured. Maybe there's brain damage. Who knows? God forbid that happens. Where do you think the ratings on the game will be then? All right, I'm asking the NHL right now. You're all about making money, and I get it. But what kind of money are you going to be making if somebody dies on the ice? And it's going to get to that point. And enough is enough. And the players that do hits like that, I'm sorry, but it's a coward act. You can say that's a – Alex put it best. There was no need for that hit in that situation. In any other situation, maybe. But the game's over. There's no need for that. And to all you people out there say, like saying, oh, well, he put himself in a vulnerable position. I get it. I get that. And Alex, you're right. He should have his head up there. But at the same time, it's also on Shifley to show the respect for the game and for his fellow player to let up there. He, he, I don't even know why I'm saying let up. It, it was – Pretty obvious, and I can't understand Bruce Cassidy telling us in the Boston media saying, "Oh, I don't think there was any intent or any maliciousness." What do you want, crack? I, <laughs> he went from the other end of the ice. There was one reason he was doing that hit, one reason only, and that was to hurt, and that was to injure him, and that was to send a message. It had nothing to do with the game. So, for anyone to say that there was no maliciousness right there, you're in complete denial, and you're stuck in another era. And like you said, Ian, that's the that's the key right now. It goes in life, too. I look at it, you know, with just bigger things in life. People say, oh, why do we have to change this? Why do we have to refer to somebody in this way now? Well, because we evolve. It's called life. We grow up, we evolve, and we mature. And the game of hockey in the NHL is going backwards right now. They're becoming more immature. And they need to grow up, and they need to change it now. Enough is enough. There are words you can't say anymore compared to 40 years ago. There are actions you can't commit anymore compared to 30, 40 years ago. And in this sport, there are certain hits that you can't commit compared to 30, 40 years ago. And that's, you're right, that's the evolution uh, that you're referring yeah. to. Uh, it's just the way it is. And I've had to adjust. Like I say, if I'm watching last yeah. night, 1995, 1996 as a kid, and I'm saying, are we really going to go crazy and, and, and rip Mark Shifley for that hit? When I'm seeing this kind of physical, tough, big-time open ice hockey everywhere back in those days, yeah. But again, players are bigger, stronger, faster now. The equipment is 10 times what it was in terms of size and danger to another player when you hit them. Uh, that's the thing. They're not wearing these little Brillo pads anymore uh, underneath the uh, jersey. I mean, these are big-time – These are this is like metal. You know, this, yeah. this is like really – 
this knocks you for a freaking loop when you get and when Shifley with that rate of speed and he's got a decent frame to him. He's extremely fast and the equipment and all of that hits Evans at full steam. No wonder Evans is knocked out and unconscious there for a little bit uh, on the ice. And that's the difference with hockey now and hockey then. And you know, go ahead, Alex. Oh, no, you go, Jimmy. Uh, You know, one thing, though, I got to point out, too, and I know a lot of people are today and, and good on them. You know, with every bad comes a good, right? And I, I thought what Nikolai Ehlers did there was just a, a beautiful moment, so to speak. I mean, in, in the face of all the violence that was going on around him and everything that had just happened, that's the respect we need more of right now. He showed respect for his fellow player. He showed respect for the game, and kudos to him for doing that. He built a Donald yeah. Trumpian wall, essentially, uh, around Josh Jake uh, Evans. <laughs> Uh, right now, is, is that's really know, what that, that, that wall's falling down, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> yeah, this wall was good. Uh, in yeah. my, this wall was the sturdy as can be, and it protected Jake Evans, is what it did. Uh, that's exactly what ended up happening. Uh, he just you know, he basically kept the there's a big scrum right after the hit, and there's Nikolai Ehlers just but basically got his arms extended, holding everybody back, uh, and essentially uh, just saying no. You know, you know, watch out here, guys. We got to protect this guy. Something's wrong. He is seriously hurt. They're going to have to come out there and get a stretcher for him uh, in that regard. And, and basically, Nikolai Ehlers is, is 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 of all people to do that was it was sensational, and it was very very good for him to do that because you're right. He could have been uh, seriously hurt uh, in that regard. Uh, there's no question about that. Uh, and uh, great show of class, respect, honor. And sportsmanship for an opposing player in a very, very scary situation. So definitely, and look, the, the Montreal players and Dominic Ducharme were praising Ehlers for what he did, and rightfully so. It was really nice what he was able to do there. Yeah, and that's, the, that's a good segue. I was exactly what I was about to say about Nikolai, Nikolai Ehlers. You know, kudos to him for having the the wherewithal to kind of shield everybody back. But at the same time, you know, and I, I've mentioned it before with, with some of these other incidents, not exactly – uh, you know, these particular hits, but I- I'm done with these scrums. If you're not going to stand up and fight, you got these guys, we're talking about the safety of, yeah, of the of I players. Hear you. Each other. If you're standing around with your stick in your hand and your gloves on, and you're swinging at each other, literally, you know, face-to-face distance, you know, ar- around each other and, and everybody else possibly hitting one of the rest referees or the linesman or a player that's injured, you know, take that shit somewhere else or go fight. Don't just stand there and just start slapping around each other uh, around the net. We've seen it way too often. Like I said, we saw it with the uh, it was you know Colorado Vegas game one. You know and these guys just they still got all their equipment on just just hacking away at each other. We're pretty much two steps. You know, Jimmy, you just said we're going backwards. We're two steps away from them starting to you know fight each other with sticks like they were doing in the seventies. I mean, it's ridiculous. If you're going to actually engage with someone, all right, and you're still going to draw penalties. We saw, like I said, with Haig and Burakowski, they got, what, four-minute double minors each. Go on and drop the gloves. What the fuck is an extra minute on yeah. your penalties? You're still going so in the box. So Go on and fight them and heal with these days. So yeah. much coward bullshit. Yeah, like, absolutely. Like, who raised these kids? I'm sorry. Right. I, you know, yeah. I put this on the coaches that grew, that they played for growing up, and I, yeah. I, I put it on their parents. Who raised these kids? Mm-hmm. Grow up. Stop yeah. acting like a little bitch out there. Drop the gloves, square it off, and move on. Yeah, exactly right. It's just too much yeah. scrums and nothing comes of it. It's a little yeah. pushing and shoving. And, you know, the referees are waiting and want a couple of these games for these two guys that are, like, you know, holding on to each other for 30 seconds to actually fight and throw a punch, and nobody does. And they said, all right, that's enough of this. We've given you time to do something. You're not, so we're stepping in there and breaking it up because nothing happens. Yeah, there is a frustration level. 
uh, in that regard. Uh, Jimmy, we mentioned it too with this game, and then we'll go to Vegas, Colorado after, but that was a tough one to lose for Winnipeg because that was set up for them well, that spot. And the you situation. lose back in the game. Yep. didn't play. He may not come back in game two. Shifley now is going to get something. You're going to be down maybe two top six forwards in the next game. Montreal's got all this momentum right now. That was a tough one to lose for the yep. Winnipeg Jets. And now they're in a position where they lose Friday at home in game two. They're in really big trouble because Montreal's going home to a 2,500 fan uh, you know, building, where which really gave them a boost in game six, I thought, uh, against the Toronto Maple Leafs in the first round. This is vital for Winnipeg Friday night uh, to avoid going down 2 nothing uh, in this series. We'll see if they're able That's to. That's a great point by you, too. All of a sudden, their biggest strength, well, I guess you could say Hellebuck is the biggest strength, obviously, but besides goaltending, you know, we always praise them for the strength they have up the middle, the depth they have up the middle. That depth's out the door right now. Yeah. I, like, it, <laughs> they're, they're hurting up the middle right now, and, and you need that in the playoffs, so – Montreal could go home up two nothing. This this is this is going to be really interesting. Yeah, and now they've won four playoff games in a row, so they're feeling it. You know, they're just in a zone right now, and they're looking like the Montreal I thought before the season, and not that mediocre, disappointing, you know, aggravating regular season version uh, of the Montreal Canadiens. So give them credit for that. And look, what's great too for Montreal is they're getting everybody chipping in now. All of a sudden, they go from not scoring at all early in the series against the Leafs to now. You know, you're getting to full. It's not just to Foley and Anderson anymore, like it's been for most of the season. Eric yeah. Stahl and Corey Perry, old war horses, are scoring goals for you. You're seeing Kutkin Yemi and Suzuki be excellent for the Canadians in recent games. The young kids stepping up. I mean, it is everybody right now. And Montreal, currently a dangerous team at the moment. Speaking of dangerous teams, how about the Colorado Avalanche? They didn't even play good last night uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights, but not by their standards. And look, give Vegas credit, okay? We th- I, I knew they would be better. I knew they would be a lot better. But I didn't necessarily see them taking the action, taking the offensive dominance and puck possession and ozone time to Colorado the way they did in the last two periods. That was a Vegas – that was Vegas controlling the game. And nobody's been able to control any game against the Colorado Avalanche for weeks now, uh, if not months. That's a hard pill to swallow that Vegas played that well, especially in the last two periods, to lose that hockey game uh, in overtime. They probably deserved a better fate. I thought it was a great effort collectively from the group. The blue line was outstanding. They were active as well. They were pinching in at the blue line a lot last night, Vegas, to keep pucks alive, and they really threw Colorado for a loop. Colorado was running around in their own zone for much of those last two periods, more than I've seen in a very long time from that Avalanche team. Uh, in a in a while, and give Vegas credit. Uh, they had everybody on board. I thought most of their key forwards stepped up and played a great game. Riley Smith had a great game. Marcia So, uh, Stone, and Pacioretty were having dances. Uh, their power play was dangerous. Uh, yeah, they just tilted the momentum and tilted the ice in their favor. The longer that game went, uh, unfortunately, they couldn't beat Philip Grubauer. Flurry was very good as well. It really was an outstanding goaltending battle, especially in that third period. I mean, both teams had a ton of chances. Vegas, very unlucky. What did they hit? Three, four goal posts as well. I mean, very, very unfortunate for Vegas. And then, of course, the deciding factor of the game in overtime, the penalty, which, look, is a penalty. It's I don't know if I'd call it at that time of the game. It was a light slash, but anytime someone slashes the stick, it's going to be a penalty. And the stick doesn't have to break. 
You know, I'm hearing some people say, but the stick didn't break. That's not the point. I've seen that called when the stick doesn't break. A slash on the stick of the opposing player and it knocks it out of his hands is a penalty. I hate to say that. I don't know if I would have called that at that time in overtime of a pivotal game to put someone on the power play. I might have looked the other way. But again, if you're going to be of the believer like me that a penalty is a penalty is a penalty, first period, third period, or overtime, that was a penalty. He slashed the stick out of the hands, and that's a penalty there. And unfortunately, the power play, Colorado for Vegas, unfortunately, Colorado capitalizes on the uh, Miko Rantanen uh, overtime goal. Uh, what a shot it was, by the way. And they end up winning 3-2. Very, very tough pill to swallow for Vegas that they lost on that uh, power play goal. But it is a penalty. I can't I can't listen to people that are trying to tell me that was not a penalty. Maybe you don't want to call that kind of penalty, that soft of a penalty in the game. But it was a penalty because he slashes the stick and it goes out of his hands. It's a penalty. So then to hear uh, Mr. DeBoer which, and I can't say I'm surprised anymore by uh, what he says or what he does anymore. To say th- th- yesterday that, that I don't blame the refs for calling it. I blame the Colorado player for dropping his stick. An embellishment of a dropping of the stick is essentially what Peter DeBoer said. My gosh, man. He slashed the stick out of his hands. That's always been a penalty, whether the stick breaks or not. And here he is whining about, oh, he embellished it. He just he dropped the stick more. on purpose. My goodness, Pete DeBoer, you want some cheese with that wine? Yeah, I mean seriously, uh, can we can we grow up a little? Talk about guys that need to grow up a little bit. Yeah, he embellished. Got up and left. Remember? Yeah, he got up. What was the question they asked? And he just got up and left. I mean, yeah, he was because oh, it'd be too negative because because of the fact of how this of how we played in this game. And he says it was too negative. We did a lot of good things. I don't understand all the negativity. And he got in a huff and, and he walked out there. Ridiculous. Uh, for him to say something like that. And it's funny because you thought he would rip the refs for calling it. He didn't. He said Colorado was embellishing all night trying to draw penalties, and he just dropped the stick. So he had the stick slashed, and he just dropped it. Come on. I mean, if you see the replay, he slashes the stick. It's a penalty. It's a penalty. Case closed. And unfortunately, look, stop whining. Stop complaining. You know, John Wooden, again, I'll go back to John Wooden. That's why he was a legend. Don't whine, don't complain, don't make excuses. Those were his three fundamental foundations as a head coach. And here we have a coach whining, complaining, and making excuses. Here's what you do. You, you, first of all, don't don't slash the stick. That's number one. And number two, kill the damn penalty. Kill the damn penalty, and, and, and you don't have to worry, and you don't have to get upset, and you can keep playing in the overtime. But they didn't. Yeah. Uh, and Colorado ends up getting the win. Again, sorry to tell you, Pete, it was a penalty. Simple as that. And now Colorado up 2 nothing in the series, and to think they won that game and they didn't even play close to their A game, bad news for the Vegas Golden Knights moving forward, in my opinion. Alex, what's your thoughts on uh, that one last night, Golden Knights-Avs? You know, going into this, this series, I thought that, you know, Colorado would take the first two at home, probably lose game three going back to Vegas, and then they would take care of business and wrap things up in five. That's the way I kind of map things out. So not surprised to see Colorado win the game. But like I said, the fact that they didn't play their A game, uh, they got outshot nearly by a two-to-one margin uh, and still found a way to win it early in that overtime period. You know, kudos to them. Like I said, when you're a good team and everything's firing your way, going your way, uh, you know, only, they're at a position right now with really, you know, they only uh, only they can beat themselves. No one else can really beat them at this at this moment. It seems like, and for Vegas to put that much effort in after getting blown out in game one and still coming away with the loss, 
He said that's really not good for the psyche of that club. And like he said, DeBoer's comments aren't helping much either. You know, I guess he's, I get it. He's trying to stand up for his guys, but like he said, it's just, it's just looking in, uh, in poor taste and in poor light for him right now. So you just kind of wonder where the, the heads of the, the Golden Knights are going to be going back home. Meanwhile, Colorado should feel good about themselves. The fact that, hey, we, they know they can play at their A game and take care of business, but getting uh, you know, lucky, sometimes it's better to be lucky than to be good. And they got lucky in game two. So, uh, that, that worked out. And like I said, you give up a, a penalty to this team at any point in the game, but especially in overtime, uh, you're going to be in trouble. And that, that goal was, you know, absolutely timely. And I was grateful for it because I didn't really want a long overtime. My edible had just kicked in when that penalty was called. So it worked out perfectly, but uh, kudos to, to Colorado. Like I said, you know, this is just a team that's finding ways to win. They're getting the goaltending when they need it. Uh, offense is balanced, you know, top to bottom, great defense. Uh, and, you know, if they can get a good start early in game three, in Vegas, this might actually end up being a, a sweep for them. Yeah, they're as deep as it gets on the blue line. And look, when they get guys like Comfort and Jost and Burakovsky and Donskoy and guys like that scoring, in addition to the big top line, the big guns, McKinnon, Landeskog, and Rantanen, uh, that's how dangerous they can be. And look, are we still doubting Philip Grubauer at this point? Are we still worried about him? What more has that guy got to do You know, at this point to prove what kind of goalie he's been for them? I mean, he was absolutely sensational the later that game went for the Colorado Avalanche last night. I I, I believed in Grubauer all season. I've said that before. I'm not worried about him. I know some people are. Some people still aren't buying that he's a number one goalie, that he's a Stanley Cup caliber goalie. I think he went a long way to proving that last night. Jimmy, what do you think of last night's game? I mean, who's saying that right now? He's a Vezina Trophy finals. What else you want? I I talked to It's It's hard to fathom that. Yeah, it's it's kind of like the Tuka Raskade here, I guess. But, uh, you know, I, I just think that that's a tough one for Vegas because that was their game to win. They, it, You know, when you get six power plays against the Colorado Avalanche and you don't win, that's not good. I mean, you're, you're passing up big opportunities there. That The Vegas Golden Knights, I think, really missed a chance to get back into this series. And I, I, I can really see this turn into a sweep right now, if not five games. Uh, I, I think that was just a backbreaker for them. And, you know, they can blame the penalty all they want and blame that power play. But the bottom line is they choked. Uh, they, they didn't they didn't put the hammer down when they had to. And they're in some trouble right now. Absolutely, they are. And it's going to be up to the um, the Vegas Golden Knights to uh, find a way. And uh, now, again, the good news for them is they're going back to a pretty damn strong home ice. T-Mobile Arena, it'll still be rocking. They got to win both of those home games now. Then we can revisit the potential of them still being in the series, but they got to hold serve at home. They absolutely must. And, and uh, yes, they have gotten more penalties than Colorado so far. Maybe the whistle will turn a little bit on home ice. You're going to see maybe a few more penalties against Colorado. I'm sure that's going to be the case after DeBoer's comments. Sometimes you do, you, you see that, you know, when the head coach is blasting the other team or the officiating yeah. after one game, you see them try to tilt the playing uh, scales a little bit. Uh, the next game in terms of penalty calls. So we'll see if that's the case, but it's an absolute must for Vegas to hold serve at home. If they're going to have any chance of getting back uh, in this series, but easier said than done, but this uh, Colorado squad that has still uh, not lost a playoff game six and zero here uh, in the Stanley cup playoffs. All right, let's go to tonight's action. We've got the Bruins and Islanders first game on tonight's slate. Part of our bet cast, a reminder, seven 30 PM Eastern DM. Any one of us, if you want in and be part of the stream, be part of the betcast. Uh, the Bruins and Islanders game three, Boston now up to minus 150 
in some spots here as road favorites in this game and the total five shaded to the over. Look, Alex said it the other day. I think I'm in that same boat. I think it's a zigzag series. It's one of those back and forth type series where the losing team of the last game is probably going to come out a lot harder, a lot better uh, in the next game. But that doesn't mean I'm comfortable laying minus 150 here now with the Bruins. I mean, this price has been climbing up. The Islanders are playing against a 12,000 fan uh, capacity tonight at Nassau Coliseum. And that building is loud at playoff time. It always is year in and year out for the Islanders. And they're certainly going to be riding the high of the Casey Sezikis overtime winner the other night. Uh, The Bruins credit them down 3-1 that they battled back and tied it. Unfortunately, turnover at the blue line and the Islanders won it in OT. Uh, There was concern that Tuka Rask was caught on camera wincing and in some aggravated pain of some kind in game two. I don't know about that, but I think it was a little over blown a little over dramatic on that uh bruce cassidy's not all that concerned uh it'll be obviously rasp back in net let's give barry trotz a little bit of credit look he'd sensed that uh, whatever that sixth sense is he said Ilya sorokin in game one not good enough i need a shake up he goes to the veteran semyon varlamov in game two and he played very well semyon varlamov much better than he did at any point in the Pittsburgh series. So give him credit for that change, having the guts to do it, Barry Trotz. Obviously, you're going to see Varlamov back in net tonight after getting the win uh, in Game 2. I think this is going to be a great hockey game, an important game. I think the Islanders are going to really push hard early because they're at home off the big win. But I think the same thing can be said about the Bruins. Off the loss, you're going to really see them wanting to get out to a better start and obviously not fall behind three while well, they did get the first goal, but then they had a really poor second period where the Islanders onslaught began. Uh, and then that's where the, the, uh, the uh, game kind of got away from the Bruins at that point. I like Boston to win this. I think they will, but I'm not laying minus minus one fifty. I think if you like the Bruins, uh, the team totals an option uh, two and a half here, which is only minus minus one twenty five, minus one thirty uh, in a lot of spots. I do like that. The Bruins team total. Uh, over two and a half, uh, minus 130. That makes sense to me. And if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Over the total in game one, over the total in game two, both of those totals were five. We're seeing a five again. And look, I know they're defensive teams with good goaltending. I get it. But they're getting secondary offense. Look at the Islanders. They're getting a bunch of different guys scoring. Peugeot, Beauvillier, uh, Nelson, uh, Eberly. Uh, they're getting even Clutterbuck has scored a couple goals in these playoffs. Same with Boston. It's not just the pasta line anymore with Marshawn and Bergeron. You know, we're seeing Coyle score uh, in this series. We're seeing Krejci get involved. We're seeing Taylor Hall. We're seeing other guys chip in. Nick Ritchie is capable of chipping in offensively for the Bruins. So the depth scoring is showing up. And as a result, it's making these totals look a little bit light so far in this series. So I like the full game over, and I'm also going to get in on Boston team total as well, specifically uh, over two and a half here, minus 125, minus 130. Uh, Alex, what's your thoughts here? Game three, Bruins Islanders. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting battle. And like you said, obviously uh, it's going to be an electric uh, atmosphere going back to Nassau Coliseum with, you know, the Islanders coming off of a win. And they've been absolutely dominant 23, three and five uh, at home this season. Uh, and they've won four of the last five meetings against the Bruins at home as well. So uh, this is definitely a- an edge for them. Like I said, I feel this is going to be a zigzag series. Series. Uh, both teams have, like I said, really brought the effort, especially offensively. Like I said, depth scoring, that's the thing, especially for uh, the Islanders. I mean, we know about Boston, how prolific they can be offensively at times. But when the Islanders, and like I said, just like the last two postseasons, they get their depth scoring rolling, 
Uh, this is a very, very dangerous team. So I'm staying away from the side. I can see Boston winning this one, but I'm definitely not going to be laying 140, 150. I do like this first period over. Uh, this is probably the highest price we've seen probably since this trend in the, in the last four or five years. Uh, plus 125 with the over uh, one and a half. Like you said, you know, this is definitely one of those games where you can see uh, the crowd really give some energy to, uh, you know, New York early. They get a goal, but then Boston has the power to counter and come back with another goal. So uh, just like I, I recommended last night with the Vegas Colorado game, we saw it cash. I like the first period over, but I also would look for that prop of both teams to score in the first period. You can get that. Uh, that's got to be somewhere around the plus 250, 260 range. I'll tweet that out and find the exact price because I haven't played that yet. I, but I've played the first period over one and a half plus 125. Yeah, to me, if you like Boston, find other ways to get to Boston than minus 150 for the full game money line. Find other ways. Find maybe a first period puck line. Find maybe the team total, which is the uh, pathway I'm going with. Uh, Boston team total over two and a half. Because I could see this being 3-3, three, three, you know, just like it was the other night. And I've already cashed my Boston team total over if that's the case. And I don't have to worry about sweating minus 150 with them on the money line. You know, that's what I see it. Because if I think the team's going to push back strong, I obviously think they're going to carry some play. I obviously think they're going to have a good chance to find the back of the net. And to be honest with you, I need Varlamov to show me he can be good for a second straight game. You know, because he didn't play well in the Pittsburgh series. He was great in game two uh, on uh, Monday night. You know, he's going to have to show me he can be that good again tonight. Uh, for the Islanders uh, back home. Uh, so that's what I like. I like the full game over, and I like Boston's team total over. I just think there's better way. If you like the Bruins, there's better derivative bets to make to support Boston tonight than the full game money line. That's that's basically what I would be uh, looking at here. Jimmy, what do you think about these Bruins here at game three? Yeah, you know, look, the Bruins have done a good job all year of bouncing back after a loss, uh, even some overtime losses, as we saw the one in uh, in the first round there. Uh, to the Capitals in game one. So they've done a good job of that. Uh, and they usually come out, they adjust well. I, the, the one thing, and I, yeah, I don't, I don't like this money line. I just, I can't justify laying that much though, because the, whether people want to admit it or not, this crowd will be a factor. Uh, and whether the Bruins can feed off it or they get crushed by it, you know, is yet to be seen. I think they have the mental toughness. I mean, obviously they got guys like Bergeron and Brad Martian and David Krejci, Tuka Rask, guys that have been there, been in this atmosphere before. Um, so it's going to be interesting off the get-go, I think, to see how it goes. It's going to be more of a live betting game for me, but I do sense the Bruins coming out strong. How it goes the rest of the game, I don't know, but I like them in the first period right now. I'm going to do a first-period puck line on the Bruins. Uh, I like it. Again, that 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 is value to get with Boston is the first-period puck line early uh, that maybe they can jump on the uh, Islanders after the loss the other night. Uh, so, yeah, uh, Again, I think that's a better option. Team total is a better option on the Bruins than a minus 150 money line for sure. So should be a good one. This is a really interesting game. I'm excited that it'll be part of our bet cast tonight. Uh, we're definitely looking forward to it. I will give you goal scoring props for this game later on the bet cast tonight. Right before this game starts, I will save my goal score props for then. I want to give you reasons to tune in tonight. Uh, to the bet cast. Can't give it all on this show. So I will have a couple goal score props. Not a lot. Uh, but a couple goal score props for that Bruins Islanders game on the BetCast. Same with this game uh, that we're about to talk about. Uh, Carolina and Tampa Bay, game three, two nothing in the series for the Lightning as the scene shifts to uh, the Amelie Arena uh, in Tampa Bay. Uh, right now, we've got the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, home favorites here in that minus 155 uh, range uh, pretty much across the board. A total five and a half uh, shaded to the under uh, in this one. Look, 
I'm on the verge already, even before tonight's game is played, of already having lost a decent amount of money on Carolina, whether it was game two, full game money line, whether it was the team total the other night, whether it was Carolina adjusted series price, which I took at plus 220 uh, after game one. I'm going down with the ship at this point. And I don't think Carolina is one of those teams that's mailing it in, quitting on this series just yet. It's an uphill battle, to be sure, because now they got to go into Tampa and win at least one, if not both, games, and that's easier said than done. But I don't think this team gives up completely, not with Brindamore as the coach. We've seen this be a, one of these resilient, gutsy teams for years uh, under his leadership. The problem that I have, though, is the injuries mounting. You know, Nita Ryder's already out. Uh, Vinny Trocek is going to be a game time decision tonight, uh, and I don't know. I don't really think he's going to play, but they're still holding out some small level of hope for that. Um, but so the injuries are piling up. They can't find offense right now. The Tampa Bay Lightning collectively goaltending from Vasilevsky has been amazing, but I'm seeing McDonough, Hedman, Chernak, all of these blue liners. They are blocking a shit ton of shots. You know, it's unbelievable the sacrifice they're making to block shots, this Tampa Bay team. It's hard for Carolina to find any, you know, get any pucks to the net because of that. You know, and the pucks that are in the net, Vasilevsky is vacuuming them up right now. And that's the problem. And that's going to have to change. What's also got to change is Svechnikov's got to get going. He's going to have to hope the goal he scored late in game two gets him back on track. We need more from Sebastian Ajo. Jordan Stahl's got to get some offense going for this team. And uh, Marty Natchez, who was very good against Nashville, hasn't been as uh, you know noticeable in the first two games of this series. So Martin Natchez uh, has to get going as well uh, in this game. And the one thing about Tampa Bay, even though it's looking very, very, uh, it's not looking good for Carolina. You know, there's no question. But we ha- do ha- we have seen evidence of Tampa Bay led a team back into a series. They did it in the first round. Remember, everybody was uh, Florida's down and out, two nothing, going back to Tampa Bay. What happened? Yeah, that they smoked Tampa Bay in the first period. They came out strong, on fire. What were they up? Two nothing uh, after the first period. Now Tampa came back, tied the game, and they took the lead. So you're thinking, oh, well, that was just a first period blip for Florida. Wrong. They came back in the third period, tied the game, and then it was the overtime winner, Ryan Lomberg, I believe, scored it in that game three win for the Florida Panthers. So Tampa Bay let Florida back in the series a little bit that night. They got comfortable, essentially, with a 2-0 series lead. If they do that again tonight against Carolina, Carolina's good enough to take advantage of that. Um, I don't think they're rolling over just yet. I'm going in one more time. I, obviously, if they lose tonight, I'm, not, I'm finally going to be off Carolina for good uh, in Game 4 because this could be 1-2-3 Cancun for the Carolina Hurricanes if they lose tonight. But I'm giving them one more shot, and I'm betting them two ways tonight. Carolina first period at plus 130. I think they jump on the Tampa Bay Lightning early, have a chance to take a lead into the first intermission. So I like them in the first period. And I'm also going to have maybe a little smaller on the full game as well, plus 135. But I think that first period look is really good. And we have seen these teams down 2 nothing in that game three really rise up and have a strong start. I'm hoping we see that from Carolina tonight. So Kane's first period and a little smaller bet on the Kane's full game money line as well for me at a plus price uh, in tonight's game. Alex, what's your thoughts on game three here? Lightning and Kane's. Yeah, it's just do or die for Carolina right now. If if they lose this one, it's pretty much toast for them. I think it'll be a a four game sweep. I don't trust them enough uh, to even back them in the full first period, but I like them to score first 
at plus 115. I think that's going to be their uh, mantra. If they can get on the board first, get momentum rolling their way, and, you know, that doesn't mean they're going to lose the game. That doesn't mean they're going to give up a goal, uh, you know, right back from Tampa. But I like them just to get on the board first and get that initial momentum going in their favor. If they can do that, then they stand a puncher's chance. But if that's not the case, then this could get ugly uh, and out of hand because, like I said, you're going, you know, on the road down 0-2 and you're going into a, a fairly hostile environment uh, in Amelie Arena. So this is definitely going to be a, a balls-against-the-wall kind of game for Carolina if they want to make this a series. Yes, and how about the and how about the decision by Rod Brindamore to change goalies? Peter Morozik in net tonight for the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, making his first playoff start, uh, feeling a need to shake things up. And I don't hate it. Actually, I like it because look, Nadelkovich has had a great season, very good first round. But I thought the the Barkley Goudreau goal in Game One to give the Lightning the win that was the game winning goal. It was a sock goal. Can't go in. Uh, that was a bad goal on his part. And I thought even the first goal that Tampa scored in game two, not a terrible goal, but I would have I would have liked to save there. Not saying it was terrible. He's got to have it, but I would have liked to have seen him have that shot the other night. So I don't think – I think his play has slipped just ever so slightly, Nadelkovic, uh, in the first two games of this series. And look, when your team's not scoring, when your team can't find the back of the net, and Basilevsky's playing the way he is – and the lightning defense is just shutting the door. You can't even have these, you know, these one or two little, you know, questionable goals go in on your goaltender. It can't happen. So I think, you know, Rod Brindamore sensing that here, that maybe just a little spark, a little, you know, give Tampa Bay something to think about, something different to look at in terms of the opposing goalie. So Peter Morozik gets the start tonight. Uh, for the Carolina Hurricanes in Game 3. His first playoff start has been all Nadelkovich up till this point. So Morozik's been around the block. He's a veteran. I don't think the time off, it means he's going to be rusty. I think he knows how to keep himself well-prepared for games like this. We'll see if he can step into the net and, and play a really strong game when on a night Carolina needs it. Uh, Jimmy, what do you think here with Game 3, Carolina-Tampa Bay? I think Jimmy Puckline's coming up for this one, boys. Uh, I, I like the lightning to roll in this. I think Carolina's dead in the water. So I, I, I they, to me, they don't have uh, the, I guess, I guess character's too strong a word, but they don't have it in them to do what Florida did in that series and get back into it. I, I just think Carolina's a soft team. I think they're very skilled. I think they're deep in terms of skill, but I don't think they're deep enough in terms of character. And, and toughness and mental toughness. And I, I see this turning into a sweep. I know some of the guys in the chat room were just saying it there. I agree with them. I, I think this is going to turn into a sweep. So I like the Tampa Bay Lightning to roll minus one and a half. All right. Jimmy Puckline. Hey, even on two game card, we ended up seeing it. Uh, Jimmy Puckline <laughs> coming out for Tampa Bay minus one and a half. That's plus 165. Uh, on the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning uh, on the puck line tonight. All right, great stuff. Uh, we'll see uh, how these two games go again. One last reminder, BetCast, 7.30 p.m. Eastern tonight. Uh, we're looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, bring your p- favorite drinks, of course. I, I haven't mentioned that yet, but, yeah, we drink. We booze it up on the BetCast. You better believe it. It's a warm summer uh, day like it is here in these parts. So uh, yep. we're going to be uh, getting the beers flowing tonight for sure. Uh, the live bets will be uh, rocking. Uh, great, uh, you know, uh, lots of ch- great chatter, hockey chatter. Hey, even some life chatter uh, every now and then uh, with the uh, people that join us on the BetCast. So the Ice Guys family, that's what you guys are. Uh, people that watch, people that listen, people that join us in the chat. Your family, your Ice Guys family. And we're, that's why we open up the BetCasts to all of you 
uh, to join us, uh, including tonight. So looking forward to that. We'll get to best bets in just a second. Before we do, uh, a reminder, download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. Uh, it is a great time of year, NHL, Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs, MLB uh, daily. Uh, when you download DraftKings and sign up for an account, you'll get uh, deposit bonuses, weekly specials, weekly incentives, bet boosts, and more. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, sign up for an account, use the promo code THPN. Uh, yeah, and by the way, hit the like button. I mean, I've got to start saying that more often on this show and all the shows I do. Hit the like button. It helps the channel. It helps us in terms of moving up the YouTube search uh, pecking order. Uh, we get noticed more if you hit that like button. That's all you have to do. Uh, so make sure uh, you uh, hit that like button. It definitely helps us out uh, by doing that. All right, let's go to best bets uh, for this Thursday night card from the uh, two games that are on tap. Alex, we'll start with you. Best bet. Yeah, let's go with the Carolina Hurricanes to score first in that game, plus 115. Like I said, if they're going to make a game out of this, they have to do it early. It's got to be within the first 10 minutes, so you can also look at that prop as well. But uh, you're not going to get the same kind of price that you would from specifically Carolina scoring first. So Canes, first goal, plus 115. That's my best bet tonight. All right, Carolina to score the first goal, plus 115 against Tampa Bay. Best bet for Alex B. Smith. Uh, Jimmy Murphy, uh, what do you got for us for best bet? Yeah, I'm going to stick with that Jimmy Puck line there. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning minus one and a half. All right, Tampa Bay uh, Lightning minus one and a half plus 165. Best bet uh, for uh, Jimmy Murphy uh, tonight. And I'm going to go with Carolina first period uh, tonight uh, in this one. Plus 130, Carolina Hurricanes first period. I think that's where the strength of this bet is. It's early in the game. It reminds me of Florida Tampa game three. Florida down 2 nothing in Tampa. What happens? They're up 2 nothing. After the first period, I think you get Carolina just look, empty the tank, give it your all and see, let the chips fall where they may. I think you get that from Carolina tonight, especially early in the game. Carolina plus 130 first period against Tampa Bay. Uh, that'll be my best bet for this Thursday night NHL Stanley Cup playoff card. And that'll wrap up this edition of the show. Thanks to everyone for tuning in. A reminder, BetCast, join us 7.30 p.m. Eastern tonight. Looking forward to it. The Ice Guys is live on YouTube seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast uh, platforms and providers, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeart. Uh, make sure you check out the podcast on all those platforms. For Alex B. Smith, and Jimmy Murphy, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Thursday night. Enjoy the games and good luck. And we will see you in a few hours' time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, for the Ice Guys BetCast, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network.